Well, you know that I am the pinch hitter in the church, right? <laughs> I, I pinch hit when Dolores is not here sometimes, and I'm the pinch hit. I pinch hit for Bonnie when she's not here. So Wayne, as you know, is home because Colette had the surgery, which was very successful, uh, and, and she said, coming out of her surgery, she said now she understands her husband when her husband had a knee or hip surgery and he said, oh my gosh, now I feel better than I ever have. And uh, so the surgery was uh, imminently successful and we praise the Lord for, for um, Colette. Um, so that's why I am here and we welcome everyone. We have some visitors it looks like first of all we have not visitors debbie and um jan are here and they come to bible study all the time and they've joined us today yippee we love that praise the lord and then i see another friend back there that i don't know your name who is it Lindsay. Lindsay. Lindsay, welcome hon so glad to see you well, we are delighted to have you. Thank you for coming today. And well, I'm the new one. So that's that's the problem, Lindsay. All right. Well, let me pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we do praise you and thank you. And we thank you, Lord, that you opened wide the gates for us to come before you and to ask your blessing upon us and to ask your direction in our lives and the direction in our church. We praise you, Lord, that you are God over all, that nothing escapes you, and that everything that is going on in our world today and our lives is in your precious hand. We want to praise you and thank you for this time together as a family. We ask your blessing and your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, the devotional for today is Godly Thoughts. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible teaches us that our minds are brought to be under the control of Jesus Christ. The reason how we act will be determined on how we think. If God is to change our lives, we must first change our minds. The human mind can be like a vacuum or such. It can be filled with either the good or the evil. It will be filled either with Christ or with carnality. What will make the difference? It depends on us, on what we allow to enter into our minds. Negatively, our minds must be turned away from evil. We must be careful of what kind of television programs we watch, what kind of books we read, and the things other than that that can influence and occupy our thoughts. But it isn't enough to put the bad thoughts out of our minds. Positively, we must look at replacing those thoughts with good thoughts, thoughts that are shaped by God and by his word, by prayer and worship, by fellowship with other Christians. Deliberately turn away from every evil thought today and ask God to fill you in your mind with his thoughts so that from that moment on we can walk in the way that he would have us to walk. 
this one. friend of mine who I called Friday night and he said uh, he'd he always had loved to do road cleanups. He's not a member of the church, but he's a lion, so we've done lots of road cleanups together. And anyway, all four of us did 15 giant bags further on on, uh, on uh, Old Spanish Trail and near the, near the Rocking K Ranch and the Rocking, now it's the Rocking K uh, uh, farmers market and all that so is a it was uh and it's it's sort of a, as frank is talking about outreach uh it's sort of an outreach and believe it or not we've been doing it for this is almost 34 years that we've been doing the road cleanup so it has brought in a few people and uh we got a lot of thanks from uh people on bicycles and cars uh, along the way. So the reading today is from uh, Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the council of the upright and in the assembly. Greater the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs 
eternal praise. And please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This is day our daily bread, and hear us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I love to tell the story, don't you? Mm -hmm. Just checking. <laughs>
New Testament reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to preface it with a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are many so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Let's pray. Father, we take to heart your word. We ask that you change our hearts by it as we continue in this service and your word is lifted up that we would have the mind to hear and the heart to heed. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. The Lord's good, isn't he? Good to come and uh, just pray and hear from God, and uh, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Just hearing from Jesus and being in touch with Him. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about prayer um, and devotion to prayer, and I want to um, emphasize um, there's a lot of different kinds of prayer. I want to talk about I, I don't know what how you could define it, abiding prayer or or coming into the presence of God um, this morning. And there's lots of, there's intercession, there's, there's just all kinds of different prayer and different, different things we can emphasize about prayer. In fact, it was difficult, this sermon, because there's so many different directions you can go with prayer. Uh, it's such an incredible topic. But I want to concentrate on that one part of it, uh, this uh, abiding in, in the presence of the Lord. And I believe that the key to making a difference in our life is fervent and persistent prayer. Uh, 
I believe that that's the central thing for us as believers. So let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we, th- we praise you for your goodness. We thank you that we can come into your presence. That um, when Christ died on that cross, that the, the curtain was split in two so that we can have access into the holiest of holies. And you call us uh, uh, priests, Lord. We can enter into the very presence of God, and we thank you and praise you that um, we have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to us this morning, uh, that your word will go forth uh, with conviction, with uh, clarity, and that all of us, Lord, will hear something in this sermon today that will touch our hearts, that will draw us closer to you. We pray in Christ's name. Our text is Colossians uh, chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. We're going to cover mostly 2 and 3. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Um, Now I need this message as much as any of us. I mean, you know, this is, this, is this, this is the central part. And I, you know, I'm constantly, uh, I'm, whenever I study prayer again and talk about prayer again, I realize, uh, you know, how far I fall short in really being a prayer warrior. Um, I heard it said one time that uh, if you want to humble any person, ask them about their prayer life. And, and I, think it's, I think it's really true. And none of us, you know, really uh, pray the way that we ought to pray. And so this is a reminder this morning. We live in a very busy culture where it, it just seems like we're all crazy with busyness. We live at a frenetic pace, don't we? Uh, particularly American culture. I know when, we go, when I go overseas and, and go into Turkey, uh, it's always... As soon as, I, as soon as we land, I just like, I relax because I know the pace isn't near what it is in America. Um, everybody lives at a slower pace. And it's kind of refreshing sometimes. <laughs> so, so many people are working harder and enjoying life less. They're on a treadmill and afraid of jumping off. And so many of our lives are in constant motion. Uh, but motion which is not necessarily correct, connected with our main purpose in life. And so that's what I want to talk about. Um, Stephen Covey has uh, a book called First Things First. And he shares a story in that uh, that he heard. And um, I'm going to read this for you. And uh, this is the essence of it up here. One day this expert was speaking to a group of business students And to drive home a point, use an illustration I'm sure those students will never forget. As this man stood in front of the group of high-powered overachievers, okay? So the scene is, this is business executives who are overachievers. He said, okay, time for a quiz. Then he pulled out a one-gallon wide-mouth mason jar and set it on a table in front of them. Then he produced about a dozen fist-sized rocks and carefully placed them one at a time into the jar. So you can see him you know, placing these big rocks in the jar. Okay. And here's, a, here's a, uh, an illustration I'll show you uh, when we get finished. 
When the jar was filled to the top and no more rocks could fit inside, he said, is this jar full? Well, everyone had said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's full. He said, really? Then he reached under the table, took out a bucket of gravel, poured the gravel in on top of the big rocks. Then he dumped some of the gravel in, took, shook the jar, causing pieces of gravel to work themselves down into the spaces between the big rocks. You're getting the picture now, right? Then he smiled and he asked the group once more, is the jar full? Boy, this time the class was on to him. Probably not, said one of them. Good, he said. He reached under the table, brought out a bucket of sand, poured the sand in. Of course, the sand then filtered in through the gravel and the big rocks. Once more, he said, is this jar full? No, the class shouted. Once again, he said, good. Then he grabbed a pitcher of water, began to pour in it until the jar was filled to the brim. He looked up and he said, what's the point of the illustration? Okay, so, <clears throat> well, one, you know, this was a class of overachievers. So one eager beaver raised his hand. He said, the point is, no matter how full your schedule is, you can try, if you try really hard, you can always put more things into your life. <laughs> Isn't it? That's kind of what, what I would think, I have to admit. No, the speaker replied, that's not the point. The truth, this truth, illustrates us, the truth this illustration teaches us is this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. And this, this is an illustration of that. The, uh, the jar on the left... These, you can see the sand is put in first, and then gradually you get to the big rocks. Well, by the time you put the big rocks in, there's no more space. But if you switch it and put the big rocks in first, and then gradually fill it, uh, lastly with the sand, <clears throat> then you can fit all kinds of ex, you know, extra uh, stuff in. Now, the point of this is this, that if the, the big rocks in our lives are <clears throat> prayer uh, and the word, Okay, and if we put in, I mean, there's other things too that are really important, but I would say the two most important things for us, I believe, as Christians to grow in Christ are prayer and the word. And if we put those in first in our lives, then we can pour the other stuff in. And what ends up happening is that our lives get filled with all kinds of gravel, don't they? I mean, you get up in the morning, you've got good intentions, and stuff starts to happen. And pretty soon, you know, all kinds of things are, are filling in that space. And you get to the end of the day, and you say, whoa, you know, what have I accomplished? You know, did I accomplish what I really set out to accomplish? So, as Christians, we know what's most important, our relationship with Christ. But we're distracted. Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. Um, and this is the story of Mary and Martha and, um, and Jesus, okay? So it starts, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Okay, now, the, the scene is that Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem. And so whenever Jesus would go down to um, down to Jerusalem, you know, the, they would go down there on a regular basis. They probably stayed with Martha and Mary, and Lazarus was also uh, their brother. But, okay, and then verse 39. She had a sister called Mary, 
who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> now, the, the scene is this, that they had, Mar Martha and Mary had 13, at least 13 people show up unannounced. Okay. I mean, that's the scene, you know, uh, because there's no internet, you know, there's no way that they, they had any advance notice that they were coming down, probably. I mean, we don't know the, all the, you know, all the history behind it, but probably not. And I know in, uh, you know, in our ministry in the Middle East, that that's very common that people show up unannounced. And in Turkey, I know that many times people would, uh, it, it was considered a, an honor if somebody showed up unannounced at your door. And you would just drop everything, you would take the very best you had, and you would serve them for the time that they're there. And so, you know, this is pretty typical then, I believe, of that part of the world. So Mar Martha and Mary had to prepare dinner for at least 16 people with no prior warning. <laughs> okay. I mean, at least 16, or probably more. We, we don't know. And so, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, we don't know, you know, we don't know the whole story, obviously, but and we find in the Gospel of John, we find another story about Mary um, where she broke the jar of very expensive perfume. You remember that story? And poured it on the feet of Jesus. Uh, this was right before his crucifixion. But Mary understood something, that the most important thing in life is sitting at the Lord's feet. Centering our lives on spending time with Him. And in a sense, if we put those big rocks in first, uh, there'll be room for the, all the other stuff on top of it. Martha was busy, but not centered on Jesus. Now it's interesting that later on, Martha is the one when, uh, when Lazarus, remember the story where Lazarus is raised from the dead? Well, Jesus comes down to Bethany again, and, and it's and Lazarus has been dead by this time. Martha's the one that goes out and meets him. Isn't that interesting? It wasn't Mar Mary. Mary stayed home. Martha ran out to, to greet Jesus. And only when, um, you know, only when it was time did she then send somebody to go get Mary to meet Jesus. But the point is, when we put our attention on Jesus... We can be very busy, but doing different kinds of things and doing the important things first. And those who are focused and focused on Jesus are busy. It's not a question of whether we're busy or not busy. The question is, what are we busy doing? And those who are focused are busy, but the busyness comes from knowing and doing what Christ has asked us to do instead of out of guilt and fear and other motivations which are unproductive. In other words, we do an awful lot of things in our lives. I know I do. 
We do a lot of things in our lives that we, in retrospect, we say, you know, I didn't really have to do that. Or I did that out of the wrong motivation. So I believe that our main task in life then as believers is the advancement of the kingdom of God. There is tremendous power in a focused life. And the the key to a focused life, I believe, is this abiding prayer of, of being in Christ's presence. The word for distracted is perispao in the Greek. And it means, literally, be pulled pulled or dragged from all around. So being distracted then is that we're just pulled in all kinds of different directions all at the same time. And when we're pulled in many different directions at once, we become distracted and anxious. And in a state of anxiety, we often make wrong decisions, react out of fear and condemnation instead of being directed by the Lord, by faith, love, and compassion. And I think this is ramped up during this time of COVID. I, you know, there is just, it doesn't matter where you go, there's, there's fear being thrown at us from every which direction. Um, you know, you got to do this. You, you got to get, you, you get a vaccine. No, you don't need to get a vaccine. You know, you, you have to be careful. Well, you don't have to be careful. You need to wear a mask. No, you don't need to wear I mean, you just, you know, there's just stuff being thrown at us all the time. And it seems like it's coming from every which direction? And we live in an age of multitasking, doing all kinds of things at the same time. And it's a virtue in American culture, probably only in American culture. Are, is it a virtue to be multitasking, to be doing so many things that we're not doing anything, really? <laughs> so right in the midst of that, um, Paul talks about prayer. And he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And I believe that prayer, at its foundation, is communion with God. All right, as I mentioned earlier, there's all kinds of different prayer, but I believe that the center of prayer is that we are talking with God. We are in constant communion with God. It's living in a continuous communication with the Lord, and letting that relationship guide and shape our lives. John 15, 4 says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So at the center then is that we remain with Jesus. We remain in communication with Christ, both bringing things to him, but also listening to him and, and, uh, and being in communication on a continuous basis. Richard Foster says this, of all the spiritual disciplines, Foster wrote a whole book on the spiritual disciplines, he says, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. And then he says later on, the closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. Dr. William Wilbur Chapman wrote to a friend, and Wilbur Chapman lived from 1859 to 1918, and he wrote to a friend and he said this, and it was about his encounter with uh, Praying Hyde. Have you ever heard 
brain height. Okay, well, let me, uh, let me share this story. He said, I've learned some great lessons concerning prayer. One of our missions in England, okay, he was a, a missionary or an evangelist in, mission, in England. The audience was exceedingly small. But I received a note from an American mission, that an American missionary was going to pray for God's blessing down on her work. He was known as Praying Hyde. And there's a picture of Praying Hyde. I took it myself. Almost instantly, the tide turned. The hall became packed. And at my first invitation, 50 men accepted Christ as their Savior. As we were leaving, I said, Mr. Hyde, I want you to pray for me. Well, it says he came to my room, turned the key in the door, dropped on his knees, and waited five minutes without a single syllable coming from his lips. I could hear my own heart thumping, he said, and his beating. I felt hot tears running down my face. I knew I was with God. Then, with upturned face, <clears throat> while the tears were streaming, he said, Oh, God. Then, for five minutes at least, he was still again. And then, when he knew that he was talking with God, there came from the depths of his heart such petitions for me as I have never heard before. I rose from my knees to know what real prayer was. I believe that prayer is mighty, and we believe it as we never did before. Now what we're saying is this, is that when we pray, we do a lot of praying, and we pray intercessory prayer, pray for other people, and that's, you know, that's great, that's, that's what God wants. But what we're saying is that we need to connect with God in that process. And, and so that we're not just praying you know, good prayers, we're praying the very prayers that Jesus wants us to pray. Because we're, we're in communion with Him, and so that we can pray exactly as He directs us. Our prayers need to be in sync with the Lord. Much of our prayer, I'm afraid, in my own life as well, is on the surface, not really flowing out of the deep place of communion with God. Devoting ourselves to prayer means that we devote ourselves to dig, to dig deep into the place of communion with God so that our lives are centered in the deep places where that communion is found. We can do that even in a distracted environment. That's the good news. 1 John 5:14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. But notice the condition. If. If we ask anything according to His will. So it's important in our prayers to ascertain, you know, through communion with God, what is your will on this particular topic? For this, per for this situation. What do you want? Because we don't know how to ask or what to ask for until we get into the Lord's presence and ascertain what His will is. If we ask according to his will, he says. Richard Foster goes on, he says, in prayer, in real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him. To desire the things he desires, to love the things he loves, to will the things he wills. Progressively, we are taught to see things from his point of view. And that's what we're talking about with this you know, what we could call abiding prayer. It's that we think God's thoughts after Him. We desire the things He de desires. We love the things that He loves. We will the things that He wills. And in that place then, um, you know, we can be centered. And that's what we're talking about, being centered in, in the Lord 
so that whatever we do, our life begins to take on meaning because we're doing it. You know, we've got those big rocks laid in the jar and then we can begin to fill it with all kinds of other things, but the big rocks are in place. In other words, our obedience comes out of our abiding in Christ. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. So our obedience comes out then of this abiding in Christ, being in His presence. The more that we come to know Christ, the more that we fall in love with Him. The more we fall in love with Him and realize His love for us, and incredible nature and character, the more we delight to do His will. There's a song, and I've got the words. Um, next, next slide. Um, by Carrie Job, um, it was Gateway Worship. And I really love this song, a beautiful song anyway. I tried to get it up so I could, you know, play it, but alas, my technology is not that advanced. <laughs> we couldn't get there. But, but here's how the song goes. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. I love, I love that sequence. The more I seek you, we go after Jesus, the more I find you. We find him when we seek him. But the more we find him, the more I love, we love him. I find that in my life. The more I seek him, the more I find him. The more I find him, the more I love him. Because he is love. And so the more that we come into the presence of Christ, <clears throat> then the more that we love him. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. I want to sit at your feet. Drink from the cup in your hand. <clears throat> Lay back against you and breathe. Doesn't that remind you of, of, of John leaning against Jesus' breast uh, as, uh, as they're in, taking the Lord's Supper? The more I find you, the more I love you. Um, this love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace, it's overwhelming. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, leg back against you and breathe, feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep, it's more than I can stand. That's what we're talking about, is falling in love with Jesus. And the more we abide in Him, the more we, we, we come into His presence, the more we fall in love with Him. Okay, now getting back to our verse. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Being devoted to prayer then, um, is in the Greek then, is occupy oneself diligently. We pay, pay persistent attention to, be devoted to, hold fast to, cling to, persevere in. All right, any of those words will work. But the idea is that we persist in Drawing close to Jesus. Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Ephesians 6, 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. In Acts chapter 1, um, Jesus had told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came on them. All right? Jesus says, uh, not yet ascended the Father, but He has risen from the dead. And He tells the disciples, 
wait here in Jerusalem until, until the Holy Spirit comes on you. And it says they all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And so um, <clears throat> what they did was, was just wait upon Jesus. They didn't know. They didn't know what was coming. coming. I mean, they couldn't have possibly guessed it. Acts 2.42. This describes the life of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Acts 6.4. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The situation of this is that the apostles, uh, they were doing all kinds of ministry in Jerusalem. And they were getting so busy that they forgot the big rocks. They weren't being able to, to uh, pay attention to the big rocks. And they said, we're going to have to pay attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And so they, they appointed some others who could do some of those other things. Well, fortunately, we as believers have some incredible examples of prayer warriors. And I'd like, to, um, I'd like to point out a couple of those. On the left is Martin Luther. Martin Luther said this, if I fail to spend two hours each in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. He had a motto, he that has prayed well has studied well. So you want to know the secret to effectiveness on this earth praying. John Wesley spent two hours daily in prayer. He began at four in the morning. Of him, one who knew him well wrote, he thought prayer to be his business more than anything else, and I have seen him come out of his closet with a serenity of face next to shining. Charles Simeon devoted the hours from four to eight in the morning to God. John Welch, the Scottish preacher, thought that, now listen to this one, thought the day ill-spent if he did not spend eight or ten hours in prayer. <laughs> I don't know how he did that, but he did. Eight to ten hours in prayer. And this next slide is um, Count Zinzendorf. And uh, Count Zin Zinzendorf was born in 1700, uh, a very wealthy Austrian noble. And this was two centuries now after Luther's 95 theses nailed to the Wittenberg uh, castle door, church door. And so Zinzendorf bought his grandmother's estate in Germany and started a Christian community. And a Moravian came, uh, a Christian named David arrived, and they founded what they called Herrnhut. Um, and a Moravian, Moravian community was established. Okay, now this is, uh, we were there, how long ago, maybe 10 years ago, something like that. Uh, we had a, for Antioch Network, we had a, uh, a gathering that we do once a year, and we had it at Count Zinzendorf's estate. Uh, so that is, that, that's, the, uh, that's the home of the grandmother that he bought, and behind it is the garage and outbuildings and so on. And then next slide, uh, this is the, this is kind of the environment. This is way out, way out in the, uh, you know, in the countryside. Next slide. And this is the church that um, the Moravians started at Herrnhut 
two praying bands, one of men, the other of women, each with 24 members. And so what they did was, they each took an hour of the day, one man, one woman, and they, they prayed. And there was unbroken prayer. That prayer, they maintained for 100 years. Not the same people, mind you. <laughs> but they maintained that for 100 years. Out of that movement, the Moravian movement, John Wesley, you know, who started the whole, John and Charles Wesley started the whole Wesleyan revival um, and, the, and the Methodist, what's, what's the Methodist church? That whole revival came out of John Wesley meeting some Moravians on a trip back from the, uh, from the colonies at that point. And they led him into a relationship with Christ. And so not only the whole revival in, New, in England, but the whole revival in New England came out of this, this prayer by the Moravians for 100 years. Isn't that incredible? That shows the power of prayer. And it seems that every great man or woman in the history of the Christian church believed very strongly that prayer was the key to success in their lives. Henry Blackaby says in his book, Experiencing God. How many of you have read that? Experiencing God, yeah. Um, he says, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purpose, and his ways. The key to knowing God's voice is not a formula. It's not a method you can follow. Knowing God's voice comes from an intimate love relationship with God. You will not have any other, any other crutch. You'll have to depend on God alone. Your relationship to Him is of utmost importance. The relationship to the, is the key to knowing God's voice and to hearing when God speaks. So it's not just a matter of deciding that I want to get closer to God. We have to find out what God wants. Then join Him in His work. That was the whole thing of experiencing God. Find out what God is doing. Join Him in His work. And that's what we're talking about. Find out, you know, put those big rocks in first because we want to be busy doing the most important things first. There'll be all kinds of other stuff we have to do. But let's put those big rocks in first. Well, then he goes on, Paul does, and says, being watchful and thankful. And the truth of the matter is that the enemy would love to disrupt and destroy, particularly our prayer life. And so he says, being watchful and thankful. The enemies of our soul are the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. And so Paul says, be watchful, be vigilant, go after it. Devote yourself to prayer and, and be watchful in that. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I, you know, I go back to this, this, these verses often. The, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy would love to disrupt our prayer life, would love to destroy our relationship with God because he knows that when we're in communion with God and when we remain in him, we will be effective. So if he can keep us off of that trajectory, he would be very happy about it. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Be joyful always, 
Pray continually. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, pre present your request to God. Okay, now, so we've been talking about this devotion to prayer. But then Paul goes on, and he says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And then he says this, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, the number of things that I think are, are very significant about this verse. The first is that the great apostle Paul said he needed prayer. Now, if Paul needed prayer, we need prayer, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you know, you, we, we kind of think, well, you know, when you when you're great, a great apostle like Paul, well, you don't need prayer anymore. He said, no, pray for me. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.25, he says, brothers, pray for us. Uh, Billy Graham, the next uh, slide. Um, he, you know, earlier on in his ministry, he didn't realize as much the importance of prayer. But over the years of his uh, uh, evangelistic ministry, he began to organize prayer. And I remember one time he, you know, naturally many years ago, uh, he came to Arizona, and it was a year ahead of time, he had people in the churches praying for a whole year for that crusade. And he went, wow! You know, he, Billy Graham understood that the effectiveness his campaigns was dependent upon prayer. We found the same thing in our ministry and going over, over into the Middle East, that I can tell a lot of times we'll be in a tough situation, something happened, and we realize, and we just, you know, it just comes to us again. People are praying for us. Jesus is praying for us. Prayer, <coughs> we need prayer. Paul, the second thing that's important is that Paul's prayer is that God might open a door for the message. He was, it was tied to evangelism. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.1 says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. So Paul could have prayed for a lot of things. In fact, Paul is in jail at that time. Um, we don't know, you know, exactly where he was in jail, probably either in Rome or in, uh, in, in Ephesus. But he's, ask, but he's in jail, and he's asking that he will have an effective outreach, you know, and be able to reach people. And you think, well, you know, why? There's, there's no mention, please pay for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable, you know, things aren't so great here, and the food isn't very good, and, you know, please pray for me. He's praying that he'll have effectiveness in outreach. He says in, uh, in verse 3, pray for us too that God may open a door for a message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And then he goes on and he talks about the mystery. And that the mystery is that God includes the Gentiles and that it is Christ in us um, that is um, so incredible. Well, 
In conclusion then, um, God wants us to be focused on a relationship with Him. God wants us to put those big rocks in the jar at, at first. And I believe that it is so incredibly important that we focus our lives. That as Christians, we focus on number one, on our relationship with Jesus. Then our knowledge of Him and communion with Him. And second of all, that we focus on the ministry of His Word. Those two big rocks have got to be in place. And the other stuff, you know, can come as we need them. Um, and they will come. But if we have the big rocks in place, we can put all kinds of stuff into our lives. So, the point is, devote ourselves to prayer. The essence of prayer is communion with God. Let's seek to draw close to God and hear from Him. And I put down three things that I think we could pray for as a congregation. Number one, clarify what God has called us as a congregation to do. All right? Um, to me, this is, the, this is the big one. God, what have you called us as a congregation to do? What's our purpose? You have a specific purpose in mind for us. What is it? Secondly, that God may reveal our major purpose again. Um, the same kind of idea. What is our major purpose? What's, our, what's, you know, what's the, the kernel of what God has called us to do? They call it a mission statement. What, what is what is it? And then third, that God may speak to you personally in your walk with Him. So let's pray those things. Father, we do pray. And I thank you that your word is so powerful. And that your presence is so powerful. And I pray for us as a congregation, Lord, that you'll help us to discover you, fall in love with you more deeply. And in following, and in, in, in um, uh, that depth of that relationship with you, that you will speak to us about what you want us to do. How can we fulfill what you've called us to do as a congregation? How can we be effective? What's our calling? And I pray, Almighty God, that you will speak to us very clearly. Help us to just to draw close to you so close that we can hear your heartbeat. Or as they say, so close that we develop a Galilean accent. <laughs> Lord, we want to we hear from you. We want to be caught in your presence, falling in love with you more deeply. Speak to us personally, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to stand, join us, a new name in glory. And um, we just got our piano tuned, and I know everybody likes to hear the, the grand piano. So I was, I was afraid that maybe we wouldn't be able to hear it, but Rick said, no, no, it's pretty loud, so you'll see. <laughs>
to do the closing prayer after Frank has spoken on prayer because it's never, we never are there enough in his presence, but I'll close this. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us a ministry of prayer, that that ministry of prayer you call us to is a communion with you, the opening the door to walk in and spend time in your presence. Father, how little we take advantage of that. And Lord, we ask you now to, to put on each of our hearts to come into your presence, to spend time with you, to bring our heart's message to you and our heart's desire. Lord, give us our heart's desire. Give us the desire of your heart that we may come and spend time in your presence. We praise and thank you for each and every one of the people here today and that you have drawn us together as a, as a congregation to worship and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.